construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. Well, welcome, everybody. Golfers alike. (laughs) Sorry to the Flagstick Podcast, uh, presented again this week by Golf PEI. Uh, Golf Presentwood Island is a premier Canadian golf destination boasting the most number of golf courses per capita in the country with over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine, top-tier accommodations, exquisite culinary experiences. It is the easiest golf vacation you will ever book. Uh, Book those golf vacations and tee times at golfpei.ca. Before we get started, let's just uh, say I hope that you are uh, following us across all social media networks, Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok, Subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and we uh, obviously encourage you to check us out on YouTube, uh, like us, click the notification bell, and make sure that you never miss a single episode. Got it. Uh, if, you can tell, if you can tell, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit... <laughs> Under the weather? Well, it's a little bit of everything. This It's, it's, it's kind of like the... It's the end of the week now, and I started the week off by... Um, for those that have listened for a long enough time, know that I'm um, I'm a hockey skills instructor as well as a, uh, a juggernaut and guru of golf. Um, <laughs> I've got to pump myself up somehow. Nobody nobody else is going to pump me up. So is I might that, on, is that on your LinkedIn? I don't know. It's like a Marvel juggernaut? comic. It's like oh, a Marvel okay. comic book hero or something. The juggernaut. I think it actually is an X Men. Um, anyway. Um, had a little bit of a muscle tweak Uh-oh. on Monday, so I was a little sore. And then Tuesday, uh, somehow I got this this cold started to creep in, and I had the most wicked sneeze on Tuesday night. And I'm like, ah, oh, no big deal. But oh, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was like a hundred people were jabbing knives into this into my side. So whatever uh, muscle pain I had on pop, Monday was was uh, multiplied by about twenty. On nice. uh, on Tuesday, but it's it's getting better now. I can actually at least let out a little bit of a cough. I'm still scared scared to the the gills about sneezing. I don't want to sneeze. Just take right you now. over to the senior home now and drop oh, you off, or know, how's that man. working? I'm the one who had a birthday. I know, but you know, <laughs> you don't look a day over fifty six. So oh, it's... thanks. Fifty six, <laughs> and I'm not fifty six. <laughs> Are you? I literally <laughs> had someone, obviously Stefan, who we know tweeted at me about being 65 and happy 65th enjoy your day yeah. at denny's and then i had a couple other people go you're not 65 are you? like shut the hell up yeah, see see what happens <laughs> damn social media eh? it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take much to oh, to people. turn something small into something big on social media as we we've witnessed yeah. many times which but, uh, will lead into our back nine a little bit this week yeah as far but uh we'll we'll, we'll get to that for sure absolutely but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, you know what? Here's the, here's the cool part. There's We're in cool February. Part. We're in February now. I know. And you it's know, it's it, two degrees it's an, there. It's an El Nino year, so it's a light winter. Groundhog Day. All the groundhogs basically are predicting an early spring. Um, yeah, I mean, golf season. Here it comes. Here it comes. I mean, we're we're a month away from the from the Ottawa Golf Show, so up in our area, yeah. the Toronto Golf Show is this weekend. This weekend, yeah. So things are cooking. 
Yeah. No, it's things uh, are cooking. It's good. I just I hope I hope at this point, since since winter's probably you know, winter's kind of been like not really winter. Yeah, you're just waiting um, for that sneaky yeah, last blast. Yeah, I feel like in. there's gonna be yeah. another big dumping before it's all gone, but yeah, maybe not. Hopefully. The way yeah, this winter's gone, who who the heck knows what we're gonna get, but uh yeah, I do know what we're gonna get here on the show this week, though. I can tell you that we're gonna All get right. uh, we're gonna get some great topics in the front nine. We're we're trying to sort of change up how we do things a little bit, but we're obviously gonna get caught up on some news and notes from from around the golf world. Um, and on the back nine, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about things in golf that should matter to us less. Mm-hmm. And I love this topic because, and I love some of the notes that you made on this, and and I think it's going to be an interesting uh, discussion Agreed. in the back nine. But um, let's go to the front nine first, presented by Metcalf Golf Club. Natural setting, a pleasant challenge. Uh, golf season, obviously, as we just talked about, is closer than you think. So I really don't think you should be waiting to prepare for the upcoming golf season. Buy your memberships, join the leagues, purchase the game packs. Be ready to hit the first tee in the spring, saving a lot of money on your golf. Visit MetcalfGolf.com to shop for those now. And All I right. notice yes. general, man- general manager Rob oh, Howell of Metcalf has already started his Radar Rob. Yeah, and he was, out before, he was out before the Groundhogs. Yeah, exactly. He's out starting his prediction. So uh, if anybody wants to give him a follow on social media, you'll see his consistent uh, predictions for when spring is. I don't know if he's ever been close or accurate, but that's a question. You know what? That's a question for him. Rob, Rob. I know you listen to the podcast, Rob. So when you listen to the podcast, let us know if you've ever actually been close. Yeah. How close have you actually been? We'd like uh, to tell our listeners just how much of a groundhog you really are. We should get him on here, actually. And talk about maybe in you a know what would be cool suit. is if we got him on here and he dressed up like a groundhog. That's what I said, in a groundhog oh, suit. That would be great. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could figure out some way of getting him to crawl out of a hole in the groundhog suit. Okay. And uh, We're probably stretching it too far. Yeah, we might be, might be trying to get a little too specific here. But anyway. You got it. All right. <laughs> Let's, get, uh, let's get talking front nine. Let's get talking golf. Uh, yeah. That's what we do here. Um, um, can't talk about Canadian golf uh, right now without uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, Aaron Cockrell. Yeah, for um, sure. Impressive, uh, impressive start here, I guess. Well, more yeah. than just a start, but but uh, the stock is rising, I guess. You yeah. Know? Big to big time, and uh, you know, uh, talking to a little bit to his agent this week as well, and and uh, you know, Aaron's overplaying the DP World Tour for people that don't know, uh, from the Winnipeg area, just north of that Stony Mountain Toulon area, um, in his fifth year now playing the DP World Tour, so made it made a choice to go over there and play pursue the tour over there. He's made a couple of. Uh, forays into the PGA tour with, you know, at RBC and so forth, but you know, he, he made his choice to go over there and, and uh, it's turned out quite well for him. And, you know, he's, he's risen every single year. He, uh, you know, got up, I think 72nd in the money list last year, but he started the year with a, a great finish in Dubai, um, you know, has vaulted himself up after just a couple events now to 11th in the race to Dubai rankings, actually five, five events into their season, uh, which included a couple events, uh, you know, last year in the calendar year. Uh, but he's playing well this week again in Bahrain, 
Uh, I think he's T13 headed into the weekend. And, you know, the real key for him here is that, uh, you know, that the finish he had in Dubai, he picked up almost a half a million dollars Canadian. And, you know, one, he's locking up his cart early. Mm -hmm. uh, two, he's got a good chance here to make a bunch of money because the schedule has changed a little bit uh, with it being an Olympic year as well. Yes. So as a result of it, there's not as many of the, the big events here uh, as early or other players that are going to be there as well. I mean, he had to, you know, fend off McElroy and a bunch of other guys at Dubai, but there's a good chance for him to really vault himself up there and really get himself into the pitcher possibly for selection for something like the president's cup. Um, yeah. You know, he's two ten in the world rankings right now, which makes him, I think the seventh among the Canadians and, you know, he's really pushing his way up there and, and who knows, um, you know, he could also lock himself up a position in, uh, in the open championship as well with his current play in the DP world tour. So uh, just some advice to, for people that maybe are not familiar with Aaron, uh, give him a follow. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. Check check them out and make sure you you pay attention to what's happening over there. Uh, not all the great golf in Canada is always happening in or with Canadians is happening in North America. Well, that's the thing, and 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 you know, people have to understand too that the like making a living playing golf does not necessarily mean that you have to be on the PGA Tour or on the Corn yeah. Ferry Tour to do that. Frankly, there's money to be made. Uh, on mm -hmm. some of the smaller tours um and the dp world tour is not no it shouldn't be up be considered one of the smallest tour no, it's, it's you second, know pretty much the second in the pga tour type family obviously yeah. live live exists now or whatever but sure um you know dp world tour is a partner with the pga tour well that's it so so there's there's a lot of different ways that you can go about this i mean it's the same with most sports but but in in golf i mean only so many people can play on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, they right. either make a choice. You either play on the PGA Tour, you play on the Corn Ferry Tour, yeah. you um, you play on the DP World Tour, you play on the mm -hmm. European Challenge Tour, like mm -hmm. you play yeah. on the Asian Tour, the Japan Tour. Like, you, like there's tours out there and there's money to be made, you know, to make a living as a professional golfer. Yeah. And that can be sort of your roundabout way of maybe getting to the PGA Tour or at least if getting that's into some. Be. Yeah, I mean, some people don't want to. I know some guys, I mean, you know, coming from the hockey world as well, that oh, yeah, there's only Europe. so many yeah. places, there's only so many teams and places that you can play uh, professional hockey in North America. Yeah. You know, whether you're playing the NHL or in the AHL, mm -hmm. um, and even in the AHL, you're not making a boatload of money if you're on a no. if you're on a one or two way contract or if you're on a on a, an AHL contract. So they go over to Europe, and if mm -hmm. you listen to some of the stories that some guys, single guys. It's yep. kind of like the it, you don't have to be single to do it, but no, no. single guys going over there younger, expenses paid. playing a little bit. Everything's paid for. Their apartments yep. are paid for. Their expenses are they can eat mm -hmm. wherever they want. The games are close. You're not flying, you know, all yep. over the place to play in these leagues, and you're making a decent, like a, you know, yep. probably a hundred grand a year. In, in in a lot of cases, a hundred grand a year when all your expenses are paid for is not really chump change here. Like, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of us that you know, in our careers would love to make a hundred grand a year. They're playing hockey and, and that's all they're doing. I mean, yeah. and it's the same thing in golf, although in golf, you got to win to earn. Um, yeah, it's not sure. quite the same. It's a meritocracy. You can win a lot more than a hundred grand if you do well, but. Yeah, I think we're going to see, we're going to see what well, we did see more uh, Canadians this year go over and, and 
you know, play the Q school over there. You know, there's less players to deal with. Uh, the Q school is getting harder and harder at the PGA tour level. So mm-hmm. you're seeing guys, you know, go over and give it a shot. Um, yeah. you know, if they're going to advance in their career, I mean, you know, their choice is to sit here in North America and wallow around in the mini tours for five, six, seven years, and then decide, you know, that's it for me. Yeah. Um, so if they want access and, you know, like Aaron did, he started really the challenge tour more than anything and worked that into DP world tour. This is, this is another opportunity. And, and like I said, we've already okay. seen more Canadians go over there and do that. Uh, we'll probably see more continue to do that as well. And, Hey, we've already seen even in the Asian tour, uh, key school, you know, Jared Tois earned a card there, uh, this year. Uh, we saw a few that were playing in there. We do have a number of other Canadians that are playing over on the Asian tour and the Korean tour or so forth. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it is a worldwide yeah. game and, and pro pro golf definitely, as you said, is more than just in North America. Do you miss the old school PJ tour Q school? Well, it's sort of back right now because they have five spots now. They have a P, but it's not the it's not the twenty spots that it was. But it's basically back now as it is. So yeah. it's actually better. So yeah, I missed it when it was gone for yeah. the you know 11, so 12, 12 years. But now at least there are five cards available. Uh, I, it, it's good and it's bad. I mean, the old school was good in the fact that dreamers could get through. Yeah, um, and but, I like that. It is, but but I like the five. I do like the five because then your dream, your dreamers can still get through. But yeah, 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 yeah. But it's more likely that someone's going to have to be a very, very good player to get through, uh, and not or a good dreamer. Yeah, well, not fluke their way through. It's 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 less likely for sure. And then that school now is used to do all the rankings, uh, basically to for Corn Ferry and PJ Tour Americas as well. Um, so yeah, but there are there are ways to, to 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 get on there. And I should say, you know, obviously we 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 know people that got through uh, over the years. And uh, a quick shout out here, uh, Matt McQuillan. Unfortunately, his mom just passed away. Matt, oh, who, dear. Matt, who uh, you know, I was actually with at Q School, and he got through. And one of the you know coolest pictures of my whole golf career was taking a picture of he and his mom. You know, I was traveling with his mom and his sister that week. And uh, his mom hugging him and it, you know, was off splash on the front paper of Sun newspapers as well. And, and nice. uh, yeah, so just just thinking of the McQuillans at this time. Yes, yes. Um, OK, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the PJ Tour, Scott. Let's talk yeah, about uh, I mean, because there's obviously there's been a lot of discussion, um, you know, with with live golf and mm-hmm. with the, the pga tour and the pif and rory's about face on everything um but uh the pga tour has found uh some additional u.s investment um, yeah so this was obviously kind of you know hinted at that the things were happening and then it was finalized this week uh, on Wednesday, PJ Tour announced that uh, the Strategic Sports Group had partnered with the new PJ Tour Enterprises, which we should say, and people should understand, PJ Tour Enterprises is separate from the PJ Tour. It's a new, 
a new for-profit entity. So there's a lot of structure that will happen. It will probably incorporate a lot of what you see right now on the PGA Tour, but this is different than the PGA Tour as it was when it was a nonprofit. So there's a potential here. This is a collective of uh, several investors and, and multiple firms that are already involved in sports, um, including leading by the, you know, f- led by the Fenway Sports Group. They're involved with lots of different sports to so get some really smart people that are involved here. And, and, you know, and they pledged up to $3 billion of investment, at least one and a half billion to start. And the structure is basically looks like the players or the top players will get equity in the future, depending on how they play, how long they've been playing and so forth. So it, it what it does is it sort of, uh, one, it gives PGA Tour enterprises some options that maybe they don't need the PIF investment as much. Although they have said that, you know, the SSG group has has you know knows that there still might be uh they're expecting mm-hmm. some piff involvement here at, at a future time um and you know the framework is still being worked on for any type of relationship with piff but it also means that maybe the pga tour and this new enterprises is not going to be dependent on piff which you have to understand if piff came in there's a lot of regulatory things that might keep PIF out, even if they tried to get them in there because of this foreign investment, whereas this is domestic. So there's, there's a lot to be said of this. Um, there's still a lot to come from it, even the players themselves, even though the board has obviously agreed to it. Um, we don't know what the structure is going to look like. We don't know if the new PGA Tour enterprises will basically just, you know, like I said, eat up what is the PGA Tour, change the whole structure of it, because people have to realize right now, PJ tour events for the most part are run by independent operators and the tour assists and is partners with them, but things like purses and all those different things, those come out of the pockets of the sponsors and are administered normally by the people that are running those events. So this is just going to change the whole structure. And one last note before I'll, <laughs> I'll take a breath and let you comment is the fact that um, because you've got a private equity group, it is in their best interest to make sure this thing succeeds because they're not in it to lose money. So they want it to be better for the tour, but better for the fans as well. So a lots, lots to come from this. Something smells. How so? Something just doesn't, this doesn't seem right. It, something seems off how you go from this, this heated battle with live golf mm-hmm. um, and attacking the whole live golf organization and where the money came from and the money, the the money, well, I guess you call it laundering, but I guess the washing sports Sport washing. washing. Yep. And then over the period of time, live continues to gain a lot more traction and more and more of the top players in the world at that time, start jumping ship and going to the money. Um, sure. And, and why wouldn't you, I get that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, your career is only so long. And if you really don't care about, about, you know, certain aspects of professional golf, other than why do you play it? You play it to win money um, sure. and to make a living. So I don't have a problem faulting the players that jump for that. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, the PGA Tour is is potentially uh, looking at getting investment dollars. Sorry, the PGA Tour Enterprises. The U.S. Entity. equivalent of finding a way to put the money into a for-profit rather than non-for-profit to make it look better. Um, getting the, the money from the same place as Live Golf was getting their money from. Well, PIF, it's, a, it's, it's, still, it's still money from over 
Well, the SSG is is domestic. No, 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 not SSG. I'm talking about the PIF. Well, they're they're still not. They're still there's no guarantee. There's nothing done with it. No, I know there's nothing done yet. But there's discussion about them getting money from the same organization that's giving that's providing money to live. Is that not where that money's coming from? Which one? Which one? The, the PIF investment. Yeah, but the PIF, the PIF right now. I know no, right now they're not getting that yeah. money, but they're still they have still been in discussions with that organization about sure. investing yeah. in PGA Tour enterprises. Yeah, so there's still as, the same same money that that was that built live. They're mm-hmm. they're still looking at the possibility of using the mm-hmm. same money that built the tour that they peed all over for so long mm-hmm. at pumping up their own business enterprises in North America. Yeah, so, but that's not their focus right now. Though. I know it's that's... not their focus right now, but there's still a discussion about it. Now you got Rory, who's mm-hmm. basically to completely doing an about face. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I get about... it. I get, but it smells a little bit of Rory not wanting to, to um, upset too many people in the PGA tour world or the PGA world for fear that that money won't come if they want that money to help pump up the enterprise, which he stands yeah, to guess, like, be one I, of the ones that gets a majority equity in that new business because yeah, he is be, one of the that, top players. It's that, self-serving is what I'm saying. Could, yeah, that could be part of it. And of course, it's going to be self-serving. I mean, these guys all want to make money. But I think what his comments were, his a lot of his comments were related not to the money side of it. They were related more to the reunification of the players and having the players come back so that all the best players are playing together in some form or form format so right you know there's there's except that we, didn't seem to be a problem about 18 months ago well because because it's not he, he was good riddance so. he was good riddance to all those yeah. players if they didn't want to be with playing there sure, sure but things to tour now now it's all good well no he i don't think he said it's all good i just think i think i think some circumstances have changed but yes there's a big but, chunk of money coming that's the circumstance that's changed okay well let's put the money aside and if we're looking at the focus of having the best players in the world playing in some events somewhat together that could be the future so the thing is it may be a framework where piff is not putting any money in there and there's an agreement with the PGA Tour that they're going to have some cooperative events that will happen that will include some of their players. Again, we don't know where this is going to go. Or they're probably right? just turning about face and give them world ranking points and everything will be hunky-dory, which is what Greg Norman and the whole Live Tour thing wanted in the first place. Well, but they had again, to go through all of this crap just to get to ultimately what they're going to end up with in the end anyway. Well, again, it's it's pretty damn complicated. That's that's what it comes down to. And none of us are privy to what goes on the inside. So, you know, what we're we're thinking about and talking about is obviously maybe a different perspective than what they have. So but that said, they found U.S. investment. Right. And that's for, a good thing for a, for, a you know, that's not obviously going to be subject to, to regulation. This is going to be helpful as far as the players to retain players it could be helpful in a PGA Tour enterprises to basically create a better product for the fans. Because again, this is not just about, you know, you know, this is about profit, but in order to be profitable, you have to be successful. So whereas previously people were a little bit concerned about maybe what the tour was doing and maybe not, you know, thinking about the fans as much as, you know, the players, the players, the players. Isn't there a fear maybe that if they start doing something where they have uh, they have combined events where the top players from the PGA Tour and the top players from the DP and the top players from the from Live Golf are competing in these elite level events mm-hmm. uh, that they're basically just creating a Live Golf version on the PGA Tour? 
and that the bottom guys that the, the TV ratings and the the, t- the sponsorship and the money is going to go into these elite events and uh, the John Deere classics of the world are going to end up um you know with the with the lesser fields oh certainly uh, and, they, and, and 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 then isn't there aren't they just I mean, I mean, I mean, that's exactly what's happening right now. So, but whether that, and, and I'm not saying that's good, believe me, I mean, you've got to imagine that a lot of events that are running that are not signature events right now have some major concerns about who they're going to end up in the field because they don't have all the top players. So uh, in the end, I don't know if there's a perfect answer. That's, that's the problem. Um, they just have to look at what the current situation is, the current risks are, because as we know, you know, if the PGA Tour doesn't do anything to respond, they're certainly at risk. So, yes, they are trying to protect themselves in many, many ways. Well, I am going to continue to play devil's advocate on this particular topic. But for the sake of the show this week, we will um, we'll move on because uh, there'll be lots more about it. Yeah, sure. There'll be lots more discussion. And as sure, I said, I am I'm going to continue to take up, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a devil's advocacy role on on the whole thing just if for not no other reason it's it makes for good discussion look I, I, hey i i'm i'm not saying it's perfect that's for sure but l- let's the just... rich get richer that's the yeah, way i look at it and that's well, to me that's sure. what they're, they're doing is they're creating a way they're creating um a way for there to be massive amounts of money injected into a pga tour type um business model that potentially eliminates the need for their top ranked players to leave and go to an organization that has basically an endless bucket of money mm-hmm. to throw at people that will sure. never go away because of where that money comes from. So um, I I respect the PGA Tour for trying to protect their, their business interests. I don't respect the fact that now we're just going to get into a North American version of live, except without buckets of money, they still have to go get their sponsorship. Unless of course they get their 3 billion investment. Plus they get PIF months, in which case then they have buckets of money for the PGA tour to do whatever they want as well. So anyway, all right, we move, move on. Okay. So some cool news. Yeah. Some cool news came down the social media wire. If on you will, a, uh, from a local, from the, from local the, level, yeah, yeah, from the local or the Ottawa, the Ottawa mm. region level. Um, yeah. Falcon Ridge Golf uh, Course is set to become the first Ottawa public facility. Yeah, uh, to and have they might be uh, the first. They might be the first public facility in Canada, actually. And technically, they're the first Ottawa facility. Technically, technically, well, we technically, yes, yes technically. because we know the Royal Ottawa Golf yes. Club was yes. the first in Canada to put in a track man range, and, exactly. and they, they are in Gatineau. Yeah, so now Falcon Ridge is set to also um, upgrade their driving range facility with a track man range facility, which is yeah. really kind of cool. And that that's great because that goes along with we've seen um, uh, Archie's is talking about possibly Top Tracer. Yep. Uh, Kevin Haim has had top tracer. Yeah, he was the first. He was the first to 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 institute this type of uh, um, range type facility, range facility mm-hmm. with the the top tracer range. Um, yep. First to do it, so that's awesome. Falcon Ridge doing it. I can only imagine that you know once Falcon Ridge launches it, that there are other 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 golf courses, um, their driving ranges that may look at instituting mm-hmm. this as well, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, it's super expensive. It's not a not a cheap venture, that's for sure. So that will limit some facilities from going out and doing it. But it's definitely a way that, you know, 
a lot of these range facilities uh, at golf courses, golf courses as it is, because they're at um, high capacities, they need to drive revenue in different other areas that they have. They need other assets and other amenities to attract themselves, to separate themselves from competitors. So this is a way, and if people are not familiar with TrackMan range, basically it's a, it's like a launch monitor for the driving range. That's the easiest way to put it. Uh, TrackMan radar just covers the range and then they, at all the different stalls, you can basically use your smartphone, connect up to it, get all your data as far as which your golf ball is flying from that particular uh, stall. Again, uh, more entertainment. You can play games, all sorts of different things. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're going to see more and more of this. Uh, we already are in Canada. Uh, and it's uh, it's cool that a place at Falcon Ridge, which you know is a 27-hole public facility in the mm -hmm. south end of Ottawa, yeah. um, it, it's, a, it's a big boost for them. And that should be in place in summertime. Yeah. So uh, we'll supposed to, supposed to have some further discussions with them and then uh, do an interview and probably a deeper story once we have some more details. Beautiful um okay um tour news yeah a bit. we got we got uh we got about eight minutes before we have to take a break here but sure. uh uh pebble beach uh is a signature event this week um yeah. strong field uh a little much. different format than in the past where the pebble beach pro-am um the amateurs are only playing two rounds mm -hmm. uh, and the pros are doing the the full four yeah um some dodgy weather going on there too but oh yeah <laughs> it's always the case there pebble beach eh? you, you don't know what you're gonna get you either get a nice sunny calm uh weekend or you get what they're getting and uh <laughs> it ain't fun no it ain't but, some uh, fun golf i'll tell you makes, that makes for good entertainment and like you said uh having the all the top players there makes a difference uh this week and uh as a result of it uh, i'll probably watch a little bit more of it than the farmers i didn't i don't know if i watched much of the farmers i'll watch it because it's pebble beach i mean i know yeah that's you know yeah yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah more so because a, of it's pebble beach and yeah, it's crappy a, weather yeah i caught a bit of the last night and i want to see those top players have to deal with that weather mm -hmm. as opposed to you know the Big dome time. weather that they had to you know at the amex where they're the basically dome weather shooting darts and and there's no weather yeah. at all so no yeah, i don't so. like that um some some really cool news for the uh on the women's golf side of things um yeah. not it's an lpga thing but not really an lpga thing it's a no, women's it's golf USGA. thing usga is um uh, is uh pushing the u.s women's open purse to 12 million mm -hmm. 12 million dollars yeah it had gone to 11 last year and obviously it's it's gone up uh, immensely in the last you know 10 15 years um and i'm not sure what the first prize is going to be last year was two million for the first prize uh and this is obviously trying to push themselves into a situation where they have a lot more equity uh, on the men's and the women's side especially for the you know the usga uh, they've got a new sponsor in ally bank and uh, that's actually going to be played in lancaster pennsylvania uh later this year which uh, you know if people remember when it was held at lancaster last time there's a lot of canadians that went down to follow brooke especially from this area yeah. uh not that far away and and the fact that they're playing for this massive purse just makes it all that more exciting i think it's you know and i don't want to get into too much of a discussion about this because i know it's kind of a touchy topic with a lot of people and and i don't want to i don't want to be a, a side taker or anything like that but what i like about this and and what i like about from the standpoint of women's golf is that they're growing these purses and these purses are growing based based on exactly what they should be based on it's based on um visibility of the tour the players 
There's more interest in it now. The sponsors are coming on board. And because of that, the purses are rising. The amount of money that they're playing for and the potential for them to earn is based on the product that they're putting out there for people to to watch. I love watching women's golf. Mm -hmm. Golf is golf to me. Um, And, you know, yes, as a whole, the women's golf side, they may not hit it 340 yards. But once Mm -hmm. they're in the fairway, Golf is golf, right? I mean, to, to me, I mean, yeah, they're they're hitting it, they're yep. spinning it, they're ma- they're making these shots, they're they're you know, so they're they're earning as mm-hmm. a professional organization is based on the product that they're delivering to people. They're not delivering yep. a lackluster product and 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 getting money for delivering garbage. They're mm-hmm. delivering, you know, awesome golf, and yep. the sponsors are coming on board and saying we recognize that. We want to kick more money into this product to continue to build it and grow it. And and that's what I like to see. I like to see that kind of stuff happening. And the PGA Tour the same way. Like, that's what your product should be based What are you delivering for a product? Mm-hmm. And the sponsors recognizing it and bringing more money into it. So this is this is awesome news. And I, and I hope it continues to go this yeah. way for, for, you know, for the women's golf side of things, that more sponsors recognize the product yeah. that's being delivered. Yeah, um, I think the two two quick things on that one is the fact that they were very much an international tour right from the start. You know, they've got players that come from all over the world, mm-hmm. which is really good. And I think the one thing that the LPGA has done a really great job of doing is really uh, creating this cast of characters of uh, an emphasis on not just the superstars yeah, uh, and developing the personalities and the profiles 100%. of all their players rather than just leaning into a couple, which I think is unfortunately what happens uh, when we see the PGA tour in a lot of cases, yeah. just focus on few too, a few too many players. Not everybody's going to be a tiger woods. So you need to lean on your whole cast of characters and develop them all. I totally agree. Okay, one last thing before we take a break, um, and let's get at this quickly because we don't want to get sure. cut off in the middle of it, but uh, um, a local pro that we're very familiar with <laughs> has made a big gear change. Mm-hmm. Two-time Flagstick Open champion Noah Steele uh, has made a move over to TaylorMade Golf. He's been doing some testing uh, in the last couple of months. A very difficult decision for him. You can find out more on this over at flagstick.com. We've got some details. I did an interview with him to talk about the change. And obviously he's now on the same staff as Brooke Henderson. Uh, two, and so two Eastern Ontario players that played together in the old BCC Open. Nice. Uh, if you remember yeah, that back did. in the day when they're, you know, 10 years ago, uh, same age and, and so forth. And uh, yeah, so a big move for him. Uh, he's obviously been, uh, uh, you know, with, Titleist for most of his career, but uh, made made some changes for particular reasons, and uh, it's a three year deal. And uh, all the details are up on flagstick.com. Awesome, good for him, good for Taylor May. Yeah, um, for but, sure. Uh, and these things happen. This is the the they business do. of golf. It happens all yes. the time. Uh, speaking of the flagstick open, just before we take a break, um, almost all of the 120 spots are filled. Um, yeah. I mean, we're literally within two or three spots of it being completely filled. So. Uh, get over and get signed up at flagstick.com or flagstickopen.com, whichever you like, um, and at least get yourself on the waiting list if it happens to be filled by the time you get there. Because chances are, if you're on the waiting list, there's still a very, very good chance of you getting into the event. And if you can't, well, then we have the Flagstick Shootout coming in uh, July to Smuggler's Glen. So you'll be able to sign up for that one, which is the limited field event. So yes. uh, we'll be opening registration for that uh, very shortly as well. All right, uh, we got to get out of here we got to take a break pay some bills all that wonderful stuff when we come back um scott and i are going to uh 
talk about the things that you should talk about less. If that makes any sense. Stay with <laughs> us. You're listening to the Flagstick Podcast with Jeff Botter and Scott McLeod. When you golf on Prince Edward Island, there are over 400 fairways closer than you can imagine. Not to mention countless miles of pristine beaches and a rich world-class culinary experience. So get here fast, then take it slow and play around on Island Time. Golf Prince Edward Island. All right, welcome back to the Flagstick Podcast uh, with uh, myself, Jeff Botter, and the, this guy, Scott McLeod. Uh, breaking news, apparently it's a crappy start to the Live Golf event in Mexico. A <laughs> um, uh, little food poisoning action going on down there. Yeah, apparently. yeah. Not fun. Not no. fun. It, it's It's not fun if it's you. But certainly it creates some comedy on the other side of it. So if people are opening up uh, Twitter, they're going to see a lot of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a topic that's probably going to be running wild. Yeah, for sure. Oh, nice. (laughs) It gives a new meaning to to shotgun start. Oh, my God. (laughs) I got to think that from a public relations standpoint, that's probably going to blow up all over the place. Shall we continue? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's <laughs> let's get into the back nine this week, presented by Celtic Golf Center. Uh, located only 20 minutes from Ottawa in Kempville, Celtic Golf Center is indoor golf on another level, featuring five state-of-the-art TrackMan simulators and two new Unicor Sims with GS Pro. Celtic Golf Center can offer over 10,000 golf course options, including many major courses with some island greens and beautiful azaleas. Play rounds with friends, practice with full swing analysis, or play some games. Visit CelticGolfCenter.com to learn more or to book tea times. You got it. All right. There we go. All right. Back nine. <laughs> Let's talk about the back nine. Let's talk about, um, as we sort of alluded to off the top of yeah. the show and going into the break, we want to talk about things that you should probably think about less. Less, yeah. Uh, so it's 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 not what you should think about on the golf no. course or before you golf or with related to golf. It's what mm. you should think about less. And, yeah, I, fi- uh, I find these days, I mean, because everybody's in, let's just say, on social media, discussing stuff all the time, getting oh, concerned yeah. about some things that, you know, people end up wasting times on, on, you know, and talking about stuff that they probably wouldn't even thought about before or really cared about. Like even look at the discussion. I get it from a golf media standpoint, Mm -hmm. what's happening with the PGA tour piff and live is certainly important. But do you think that anybody these days would have cared about the business of what's happening with the, what's happening in the boardrooms and whatever about golf, if, if it wasn't for maybe from a social media standpoint, Probably not. Not probably as much. not. I mean, and again, the question you really have to ask yourself too is it is that is it as much as we shouldn't be worrying ourselves with that because it really has zero effect on us whatsoever. Right. Um, how many people really are thinking about it? That's the that's the bigger mm. question. Like, social media makes everything seem bigger than sometimes it really 100%. is. Um, it really does. And yeah. you know, we have our set number of followers. We have you know, and we follow a lot of big people and stuff. But I was actually, it's interesting, and I know this isn't a golf related thing, but it is a social media related thing. Is that I was watching an interview um with somebody 
that as it related to the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing in the NFL. Mm. And, and they said, they said, and this, this is a very well-known athlete, uh, fe- female athlete um, mm-hmm. in this interview. They said that this whole Travis Kelsey, in their opinion, this whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing is 100% fake, fabricated, not real. And, and I'm like, okay, why is this? I said, because they personally, as a female athlete, were approached, their publicist was approached by an NFL player's publicist about a year ago mm-hmm. about getting them together for a date. Mm-hmm. And, and she didn't have a boyfriend at the time. And she, her career was kind of going a little bit, The you know, she, she had some things going on and it could really use a boost. So her publicist and this other publicist for this football player who's really wasn't very high profile but was high profile enough, they get together on a date and she said that every single detail of that date between the two publicists, including where the paparazzi was going to be, what they were supposed to wear, when they were supposed to hold hands, everything was completely scripted and mapped out. Everything to the to but, the very to the very last detail. I'm I'm not going to say you know, some different things like that don't happen in the PR world. But I'll say this. I'd say social media lends itself to far too many conspiracy theories and too many things that are not uh, vetted properly with real sources where anybody can just go out and say anything mm-hmm. without verification. And, and I agree with that. That's why I'm that's why I'm yeah. bringing this one particular yeah. topic up, For because sure. this this is. This is a, a yeah. valid source, yeah. and it's it and it does it makes yeah. sense, but it doesn't make sense at the same time. So, right. but it also know, can't but, be a single. It also can't be a single source. But in and anyways, whatever anyway, the case may be, neither neither here nor there. It got nothing to do no, with golf. No, but when we start to talk about golf, there's definitely some people people that start to get really concerned about a particular things. But if they sat back and realized it, it doesn't really change anything that they do. And why this sort of topic came to mind was, you know, I was hearing people have all these massive discussions about, and we've talked about it a bit on this podcast. They were having all these discussions about what was happening in male professional golf, mm-hmm. you know, which again is way far away, short of maybe them attending an event once a year. Yeah. And, you know, what I said to some of them is like, does it change? how you play golf does it change the rules that you have within your group does it change you know does it change how much you're going to play golf does it it it, in in essence it has no effect on it which leads me to what are the other things (laughs) that we talk about all the time that you have a perfectly good right to do if you think it interests you and whatever we're not saying that you know you shouldn't have any discussion about this Mm -hmm. but what we're saying is that just think and stop and think sometimes what are some different things that are happening in golf that are really, you know, if, if you thought about them less, I mean, they're, they're not really necessary to think about them for you to enjoy the game. What? So, okay. So what is one of the number one things that, that <sighs> a good chunk of, and I'm going to say male golfers because yes. I really have never heard a female uh, golfer ask Fairly this rarely. question. Yeah. Um, 
what is one of the biggest things that that they mm-hmm. focus their attention on that they should never be focusing their attention on? How long is the golf course? How long <laughs> is the golf course? Yeah. How long is the golf course? How many male golfers out there? Yeah. Um, concern themselves with how long a golf course is. What's the tips? That's that. That's and have yeah, no that, business even being anywhere no. near the tips and, and, in the first place. And and it becomes this judgment factor. So you know we've got it for years, you know decades, mm-hmm. where people you mention a golf course and they're like, oh, how long is that course? Well, what's that got to do with it? If it's a great golf course, yeah. Um, I mean, I think people are becoming a little bit more educated about that. We're seeing you know shorter designs that people begin to appreciate more, whether it's the goat hills or the winter parks of the world, you know, down in the States. But yeah, number one, like, I mean, the fact that, as you said, what are the percentage of people that actually play off the back decks? Like, and I remember, here's a great example. You know, when we were down in, in Mobile, Alabama, uh, playing the one golf course, which they had retrofitted as part, as part of the uh, Robert Trent Jones trail, but they had taken a golf course that had previously been about, you know, probably like 6,300 yards. And they put in these back tees so that they could have this yardage on the card that was, you know, 7,000, whatever, yeah. whatever. But all the cart paths were like a hundred yards away from those back tees. Yep. And there wasn't a, a blemish on those back tees, no. but it was there mostly because of, from a marketing purpose, more than anything to say, mm-hmm were this length of a golf course because there's some people that wouldn't go there if it was 6,400. Many golf courses that that you and I have played over the years, and we've we've played, you've played more than I, but the ones that we've, we've played, played together, we've played a lot of golf courses in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And many of those golf courses are, there's two things. One, a lot of them are nicer golf courses from the middle or forward sets of tees than from the back because they were never really designed from the back tees they were designed further up and then the back tees were added which completely makes them either unplayable stupid playable Mm -hmm. or too easy from the back tees you know what i mean like if you're if you're playing from the back tees and the course was designed with all the trouble from the middle then from the back tees you can't reach any of the trouble so it's it's like you just bomb drives out there and you never hit any of the bunkers or water or anything like that but then if you play them up at the oh my gosh now Mm -hmm. i gotta choose three wood iron off the tee driver to hit it over Mm -hmm. so that's one yeah um number two when we go on our road trips and play golf places the there's very very seldom do we ever go to the back tees and we have we normally will do it once Mm-hmm. on one golf course mm-hmm. during one of our long trips and it's usually a golf course that is you know maybe has hosted a major championship whatever the case may right. be and we want to yeah. see it right from as golf guys we yeah. want to see it from there not that we're challenging ourselves to see if we can shoot under par from back there because only yep. one of only one of the two of us has a shot at that and i don't want you to be embarrassed so um <laughs> So that that's that's yeah. the way. It is. I mean, we play a lot of golf. We've played a lot of courses. You hit the yeah. ball a long way. We don't yeah. play from the back tees every time we no. play golf. No. And frankly, it's no fun 
no, for we play majority. where we're going to have fun, right? Yeah. And then the, and that those back tees, I mean, you know that, and they usually go hand in hand with the course rating because again, people look at that and they yeah. go, "Ooh, wow, the course rate." And I think that became a big thing in the 1990s of facilities would market themselves by how tough they were, right? And then, well, let's try for the highest rating possible mm-hmm. and the most difficult. Well, you know what? While cool and and you know. I guess masculine in a certain way or whatever. Did it fit it, your market? It does. It, it didn't. In the end, it doesn't. You know, cost to maintain those tees, yeah. right? Uh, cost to change all sorts of different things. Is it your demographic? I I know my own golf course that I I play at on a regular basis where I'm a member. Probably sixty five percent of our rounds are probably played off the green tees, which are probably fifty eight hundred yards. It's where the demographic is because basically what happened was people realized that, you know, we can hit greens and regulation. We can actually mm-hmm. enjoy ourselves. We can have more fun. But I tell you what, it was hard to get them there yeah. because ego says, oh, no, I got to play off the blues or the whites. And I always find it interesting because I don't care what, what tees I play off of. And I always, you know, will end up with random golfers and I'll say, what tees do you want to play off? And they'll go, oh, I don't, uh, you know, where do you play? Where do don't worry about where I play. Play mm-hmm. where you play. Play where you want to play. And if I want to be social, I'll come up and play with you. Whether Absolutely. it's red, yellow, green, whatever. If we're just having a casual game, yeah, it, it it doesn't matter. So people worrying about whether the course rating is high enough that it, that in some way that a golf course is not going to be you know worth playing, or they're not going to get their money's worth yeah. if they're not playing off the back tee and playing the full yardage. Two golf courses that are really close to me. Falcon Ridge Golf Course, which is very close to me, Metcalf yep. Golf Club, which is right across the street from me, um, both of which I play, you know, Metcalf a little more regularly because of where it is. But right. um, as much as I like both those golf courses, 18-hole course, they have 27 holes, mm-hmm. as much as I like both the 18-hole courses, a lot of but times like the nines. I will play the the nine-hole race view i guess is what they they call it it's called the falcon ridge i think it's yep. still called that but i'll play the nine hole race view course or i'll play metcalf's nine hole course mm-hmm. before like every day i love i love those two nines and they're they're not crazy long by any mm-hmm. stretch um the other the other 18s are longer falcon ridge especially is much longer um, but length doesn't matter. I, I mean, they're great golf courses, but I put, I play the nine right. hole courses all but day th- long. And I think that lends itself to something that I didn't put in the notes, but you've just said is playing nine holes versus 18. Yeah. No, and, I'm, and, I'm a and, nine hole guy. Yeah. I mean, I grew up playing nine holes, but I was kind of shocked when, you know, I started, when I moved to Ontario and the number of people are like, well, if you don't play 18, it's not a round of golf. I'm like, excuse me. That's that's not really the point. It, mm-hmm. it could be going out and playing three holes or five holes or twelve holes or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, don't feel that you should be constrained about whether it's it's nine or eighteen. So as you right. said, a lot of the times just going and, and playing, you know, that shorter golf course, it's gonna be more fun. I mean, in the end, are you going there to punish yourself? Exactly. Really? Exactly. Um how far you hit it is another one hmm. uh, that is Big like, time. care about it last. Um, it really makes no difference. I, I know everybody wants to hit it longer. Oh yeah, I get that. Sure. Um, yeah. there's physical characteristics of your mm-hmm. person that inhibit you from hitting it longer. I I'd love to hit the ball longer. I, sure. I I mean I'd love to be able to hit it. You know, in the threes, 
mm-hmm. 280, even even be able to hit it 275 on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, but I'm a 230 to 250 guy off the tee now. And mm-hmm. I've accepted that this is just this is my body, this is my mm-hmm. age, this is my physical. Yeah, you're not going stature. into doing a I mean, ton of I just, speed training. What am right? I going to do? Hit the gym yeah. and and train myself so that I get physically capable of hitting it farther, and then I gain ten yards. Like mm. I mean, that's not why I would hit the gym and get physically yeah. stronger anyway. But it, it's so stuck in your brain. Mm-hmm. Just play the tees that make the most sense for you. And then the length that you hit it really doesn't matter because you're going to hit shorter irons in, or you're going to, you know, I mean, yeah, we have I want to realize, play, yeah, yeah, we have to realize that at the pro golf level, you know, everybody's game is made up of a variety of components. So, you know, while it's sexy to, you know, see players bomb the drives out there, whether mm-hmm. it's on the on the women's side or the men's side, um, you know, in the end, they've got to chip and putt and put it in the hole. So, you know, obviously, you're a really good iron player i wish i hit my irons as good as you so just because i hit it longer doesn't you know it, it obviously equates to something different in how we play mm-hmm. but uh, you know you don't worry about how far someone else hits it now that always used to be easy for me to say because they would usually end up being a longer person in the group but you know now some of these kids are just blasting it all oh, over the place insane. um but what i do notice is that for me I was always longer off the tee, but irons, I was never super long with the irons, just the way I deliver the golf club. But I'm always shocked how many people always ask or worry about what iron you're hitting into a green and and not for the case of trying to, you know, judge how far, you know, they're going to hit their shot. Mm-hmm. It's more, more for a case of, Oh, wow. You know, you hit this or you hit that, or somebody have an expectation that, you know, they're supposed to hit a pigeon wedge this far. Well, temperatures change, wind conditions change, grass yeah. changes, lots of different things changes. So, you know, hit the club that gets you there, whether it's a hybrid or a pitching wedge, it doesn't really matter. And how far someone else hits it shouldn't, shouldn't be on your mind. Take care of what you need to do with yourself and worrying less about how far someone else hits it. So um, let's talk about this. Let's talk about... Um the latest and greatest because we mm. you know we just spent the last two episodes of the podcast talking about the pga merchandise right. show yeah and you know the latest stuff on the market and you know this new this and this new that um how how important is it that somebody should be thinking about or considering um making sure that they have the latest and greatest piece of golf equipment in their bag well, as I've always said, and I've probably said it 50 times on this show, you know, they're not buying equipment, they're buying hope. Yeah. And while there are definitely incremental changes and improvements in, in clubs uh, For sure. all the time, those incremental changes are fairly small. And you can just as effectively go out, and lots of people do it every single day, go out and play very good golf with equipment that's older. Um, in fact, I will tell you, I'm probably one of the slowest people to change equipment. A lot of times, sometimes I'm, uh, yeah, you, you too. Uh, sometimes even though I get to test lots of different equipment, I might be a generation or two behind just Mm -hmm. because I find a piece of equipment that I'm comfortable with. I like how it performs while it may not be give me, you know, as distinctive advantage as something else. And it's something I'm comfortable with. Yeah. So especially when we talk about things like putters and drivers, things that are really key, three woods, for an example. Um, so yeah, for the people that, you know, they're they're usually shocked. They look in your bag and they're, oh, what have you got? What have you got? And, oh, 
you've got something that's two years old. Oh my. Oh my uh, gosh. Guess, yeah. You know, it must be something wrong with you. Did, yeah. You know? Guess what? Do you drive a two-year-old car or a four-year-old car or a six-year-old car? No, that's uh, a you, good, it's a good point. And that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's a good point to use yeah. there too. I mean, you know, I'm the same way. I hold on to my stuff because I'm comfortable with it. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. I'm reluctant to change because I don't think the change is going to make a big difference in my game. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent change that I made uh, in my golf equipment, um, you know, starting to play uh, the uh, the Strixon mm-hmm. product um, doesn't mean that the stuff I'm playing is better than something else I could be playing right now. That's not yeah. really the point. It's right. better than what I was playing before. It feels better. The The performance for me feels better than what I was playing before. Not that it's better than 10 other products that are on the market right now, but it's better than what I was using before. And I like it a lot. I like how it looks. I like how it Mm -hmm. feels. I like how I swing it. And so that's something that'll probably Mm -hmm. be in my bag for a while. Like that's just the nature of what I do. I changed my putter. I hadn't changed my putter in like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I changed my putter and do I putt better? maybe a smidgen um yeah but i like the feel of the putter and i like the look of the putter so i think i'm year seven coming up in the putter i have i I think there's two things that are in this one you know as a golf pro i get people ask me all the time what do you play well okay that's fine what do you care (laughs) yeah it's that's that's usually my point like why are you interested if you're interested from the sake of just general conversation that's perfectly fine but i can tell you that you know all the students that I have, lots of good players play a myriad of brands, whatever that's mm-hmm. best to them. The other side that I don't like about this sometimes is especially when I go to junior events and I see equipment shaming happen. And I yeah. see kids that are almost bullying other kids because they don't have the latest driver. Well, guess what? Not every kid can you know afford a thousand dollars for a new driver. No. Uh, and, and often is the case it might be the player who has actually got the older equipment in the bag that actually posts the lowest score. But mm-hmm. unfortunately it's like a lot of things, you know, with kids, whether it's clothing or, or, you know, the latest iPhone or whatever the case may be, yep. we see some equipment shaming happening on the junior tours that. and it's not a, it's not a good scene. It's not a healthy scene. And I think people have to educate the kids to make sure they understand that just because you have the newest and the greatest, it doesn't make you better than someone else. And it doesn't make not. you a better golfer than someone else. And yeah, they should take that into account. So that's, that's another point I see as far as the equipment. Um, now here's an interesting one. Um, it's and, a long and, list, eh? And it I, it, it big, is a long so, list, I mean, and I'm kind of I'm, it all today, I'm kind of skipping gonna... over some of them because uh, yeah, okay. they're they're a little bit similar to other things that we've talked about. But yeah, um, I want to mention this one: dress codes. Mm, yeah. Now I'm a traditionalist at heart when it comes to golf. Okay, right. so for the most part, and this one dress codes, I'm going to actually tie this one into another point that you made regarding rules. Okay, um, because. They kind of, for me, they kind of fit hand in hand. Um, are dress codes necessary? And my feeling, my okay. personal feeling is yes. Okay. Um, I think that golf has a dress code. And while the dress code can be lightened a little bit, you know, with respect to, you know, the old school knee high socks and, you know, mm-hmm. showing no skin between the top of your shorts and the top of your socks kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm not in for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
wearing proper like golf attire, whether it's, you know, no jeans, no cutoff jeans, you know, wearing an, a pair of shorts or, um, you know, um, a pair of slacks, uh, a collared shirt. Um, you know, I guess collared shirts are kind of a thing of the past now because the industry has, the industry has changed it, uh, to the point where the dress code had to change as well. I think dress codes are meant to change with the times because the clothing that we wear now is not the clothing that we wore in 1942, or we'd all be wearing, uh, you know, knickers, dress shirts, and ties. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think dress codes are meant to change, but I think that I think that there is a certain amount of of respect for the game that needs to be held when it comes to showing up at a golf course and and just mm -hmm. kind of rolling out in your your Iron Maiden t-shirt with your, you know, jeans. And now that said, I think there are also facilities that probably are like when we used to down in Kingston, Bell Park fairways, where, whatever you like, very municipal <laughs> public golf course, yeah. like just go. Yeah. 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 But I think, and that kind of, I guess it kind of contradicts a little bit what I'm saying, but mm -hmm. I think that the facility is part of what dictates the because you can't expect that's, everybody that's, to go out and yeah. buy a wardrobe yeah. just to play a single yeah. round of golf. Yeah, and I think you know? I think that's the middle ground that you know I think is the caveat in there is the dress code has to be relative to the facility and what they prefer at that facility. Mm -hmm. So it's within so, the it's within the facility's right to set the dress code. Right, exactly. If, and if people have to understand it's not going to be the same everywhere as you're going to go. Exactly. Right? Golf, I, I guess the point is golf as a whole, golf, the sport of golf, mm -hmm. the game of golf, should not have a dress code. The facility that houses the game or the sport that we play mm -hmm. is the one that dictates. There's no dress code in the rule book. No. You know what I mean? So. No. So the rules don't say you have to wear a collared shirt and no. slacks and that. So, no, so therefore, it's it's individual to the facility. It's like going yeah. into a restaurant. You know, no shoes, no shirt, no service, right? Mm -hmm. That's their policy. So each golf course can set its own policy. If a golf course wants to set a certain standard mm -hmm. for their facility, then they can set that dress code and people have to adhere to it. Yeah. If a golf course doesn't want to have a dress code and says, hey, just whatever, show up as long as you're wearing clothes, I don't care. And even at that, if you're wearing partial clothes, I don't care either. Mm -hmm. um, let me know where that facility is. Uh, but that to me is the, is the way the whole dress code thing yeah. should work. It's facility based, I, not not sport based. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> I think code should really be replaced with just respect. Yeah. Really, I mean, if you respect each other and you respect the facility of what they've designated, and I'm, and believe me, I'm happy to play in shorts and a hoodie and a t-shirt or whatever if the facility certainly allows it. Um, but I don't have the expectation that you know Royal Ottawa, because the you know a, a high-end private club, for an example, that they're going to have that as their standard. You know, they might have it for particular parts of the facility and i've mm -hmm. seen that at golf courses so the course where i play for an example you can you can wear jeans on the driving range you can wear yeah. t-shirts on the driving range um they're not going to chase you down for that but they have other rules related to the course which are changing and adapting all the time depending mm -hmm. on what societal norms are and i think that's where it needs to be so people have to realize that yes 
there always will be some sort of dress code that is in line with what the norms are at that particular facility and don't expect it to kind of go away. Um, it's clearly not going to, that's for sure. And they will definitely adjust, but I would just say that, you know, go to the place that you you feel comfortable. And if you, and unfortunately in some cases, you know what, you might have to take off your hat in the clubhouse. You might have to wear a collared shirt. You might have to wear whatever. And you know, that's just part of it. Um, don't characterize it as dumb and stupid and whatever. <laughs> it's just whatever that facility wants. Just like you said, you know, some restaurants don't care if you come in and bare feet and, and floppy sandals and other ones, you know, have a little bit of a different standard as well. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely a subject, but something people should sweat about less. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just railing on about particular things at yeah. particular courses. If you want to go to a facility and that's their rules, that's that's their rules, whether you like it or not. So the other thing that kind of spins off from that a little bit is the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. uh, and and all I got to say about this, it's not really a big, long discussion now, but this is my say about this, is lighten the heck up. Yeah, and you know, I, think- I mean the rules of the rules of golf. I get it. We have a rule book. There are yeah. rules to play by, and in mm-hmm. competition, Correct. and in a situation where you are tracking your handicap for the purposes of playing in competition. Correct. That's why we have these rules. Correct. If you are out with, and I do this, I, I do it all the time. I mean, I all the time. I will go out and play a round of golf with my son Brandon. At Metcalf, nine holes, blow a ball off the tee, and I'll hit it. Say I hit it into the woods. Doesn't happen often, but um, I say I hit it into the woods. I will just go down, drop a ball by the edge of the woods, and mm-hmm. hit it onto the green, mm-hmm. and two putt, and move on. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, well, that's I an take op- a penalty is... stroke, maybe. I, yeah, I, that I don't is really op- count my score. Is, yeah, that is an option within the rules of golf now. Um, there are, you do have a local role to make use of that, but in that situation, like you said, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're playing within the standard of the other group that you're with. And again, you know, we're not talking about, as you said, handicap play where you're using that handicap to compare to other people that are not with you. That has to be, you know, kept to a certain standard to make it, you know, make it uniform across Mm. the way. But if you're just playing on a regular basis with your buddies yeah make your roles within your group most of the people do it anyways yeah and really absolutely. i mean i would say 95 percent of the golfers in the world probably play under those particular things and they make sure you know they decide kind of what they're going to do within their group so um you know for people that are freaking out freak out if it's something that's going to affect you yeah absolutely right? but don't freak out if some guy in some group you know or some group decides that they're going to have a a lateral ball rule where they drop it or whatever don't fret about it it's not your group so don't worry about it you're not in that that game okay scott um one more before we have to wrap this up for this week but one more pick one more uh rankings which i'll do quick i'll do quickly (laughs) i know that could be a deep one um but people ranking golf courses and worried about the ranking of a golf course Mm -hmm. and i'll just give a little brief thing and then you can go at it yourself um i think golf courses and facilities unless you're going to be one of the top facilities you know you're vying for number one or number two uh you know what be number one for your customer don't worry 
it's an ego thing on the other one. And I understand there's a business aspect to it. You know, they want to have that rankings, but a lot of times some of the rankings are very, very subjective and they're not what you think they are. And I think that ranking doesn't determine your level of enjoyment you're going to have at a golf course. I, uh, I agree with you. Um, I'm just going to say uh, that they need to knock off all the rankings. I, I see I see absolutely zero. I have yeah. seen and and I don't think I will ever see any algorithm formula that are, va- that are valid that that is valid. It just yeah. Un- yeah. unless you've got a panel of say twenty people that play every single golf course oh, in not, the and, world and not even twenty in the same enough. year, maybe twenty thousand. Yeah, um, <laughs> unless you've got a panel like like. Yeah. There's no way you can rank no. golf courses. Now, yes, when they rank them and you look and go, okay, this one's number one, this one's number two, whatever, and you look at if I went and played the golf course, like, I can see how this one could be the number one ranked golf course, but sure. I can also see how that one can be, and I can see how that one can be, and I can yeah. see how yeah, that one's not even on your list, and that one's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know what? It's all yeah. media baloney. Knock mm-hmm. it off. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's irrelevant. Like, like I said, um, be number one for your customer. That's, yeah, that's that's, it. that's, that's, that's who it. you need to be. That's who you need to be high in the ranking of. You know, you need that person to go. That's one of the best courses I've ever played. And they might have only played seven. Yeah. So yeah. now if you're if you're, you know, say you're in, I don't know, say you're in PEI mm-hmm. and, and you can have a panel of people play every single golf course on the island. Mm-hmm. And have a criteria for ranking every single. You could probably you could probably have a more accurate um, ranking of your golf courses yeah. just on that island, right? But that's be- only because it's it's a there's you know yeah. there's only so many golf courses there, and it, and it would be easy to play them all in the yeah. course of a you know a month or a but, year. Like you could do it, but yeah, to there's talk still, about world rankings or provincial rankings or there's or still Canadian, there's still subjectivity in objectivity. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly. the problem. There'll be no perfect one, and I guarantee you that you know if you go to PEI, some people prefer Dunderave over Crowbush, and some people want to play Red Sands or Brunel. It doesn't matter. Whatever is the best for them, it, yeah. it shouldn't devalue what another facility is. Okay, and uh, so I will leave you with one thought with respect to all this sure. care about less because it's the, this one last little thing on the list here. Um, don't concern yourself what your golf clubs look like. As a wise man once said, they're tools, not jewels. All right. Got it. Um, well, that's a wrap on that uh, topic and, uh, and our back nine presented by Celtic Golf Center. Um, a reminder that registration for the Flagstick Open presented by TaylorMade and Adidas is uh, still open, Yeah, uh, but there's not a whole lot of spots left. Uh, there might only be a half a dozen at most. Yeah. Um, so make sure you get over to flagstick.com and register and uh, get your spot. Um, all right. Yeah. Thank you to uh, all our sponsors this week, Metcalf Golf Club, Celtic Golf Center, and a presenting sponsor, of course, Golf PEI. Golf Prince Edward Island's premier Canadian golf destination, boasting the most number of golf courses per capita in the country, with over 400 fairways closer than you think. Uh, top-tier accommodations and exquisite culinary experiences. It is the easiest golf vacation you will ever book. Book your golf vacations and tea times at golfpei.ca. Well, thank you. I hope you're enjoying listening to these two donkeys talk and watching 
uh, us talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us across all social media networks, Instagram, X, Facebook, TikTok. Subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like us, click the notification bell, make sure that you never miss a single episode, and continue to make your way over to flagstick.com often for more amazing golf content delivered every single day. Uh, sign up for flagstick.com. Digest newsletter so you have that same information delivered to your inbox three times a week. You got it. Well, as always, we do appreciate you tuning in, but until next week, I am Jeff Botter. I'm Scott McLeod. Remember, always go for the stick. <laughs> <laughs>